0: This is Janet Gorond with episode 165 of the Tribe Sober podcast. No cheery intro today, I'm afraid, as it's a sad, sad day for me and for South Africa. I'm recording this intro a couple of hours after hearing the appalling news that Eusebius MacKaiser has died at the ridiculously young age of 44. He was a national treasure for South Africans an author, a journalist and a broadcaster. One of the smartest public intellects in the country, he was a fierce defender of truth and justice, as many politicians found out to their cost. He was also a warm and generous friend. So instead of the planned episode, I wanted to say a few words about my friend Eusebius and re-release one of the podcast interviews he did with me. My Eusebius story starts back in 2001, when I relocated from the UK to SA. I started to watch national TV, trying to get my bearings in this beautiful and complex country. I spotted Eusebius on a talk show, and I was impressed. I read a couple of his books and listened to him on the radio. I discovered he'd been to Oxford University on a scholarship and had won a global award as a debating champion. I first met him in person more than a decade ago. Ironically, I was drunk at the time. We were at the Franchot Literary Festival, where I'd been drinking wine most of the day. This didn't stop me dragging my long-suffering husband to the Elephant and Barrel pub in the evening. Straight away, I spotted Eusebius in the bar. He was deep in conversation, and I didn't want to interrupt. But husband knew I was a fan, and he nudged me towards him. Not quite sure what Eusebius thought about this drunken Brit lurching at him, but he was very kind. For obvious reasons, I don't remember much about that conversation, but that was the evening that our unlikely but enduring friendship was born. I finally ditched the booze in 2015 and set up Tribe Sober. Eusebius signed up for our dry January challenge, and one of the mailers included my goodbye to alcohol letter. He asked me to read it out on his radio show. So I did. And we got plenty of calls from people who knew that they needed to say goodbye to alcohol. Some of those people were in tears and so were Eusebius and myself. I'll put a link to that radio program in the show notes. So apart from reading my letter on that program, we raised more than 10,000 Rand for Earth Child within about 30 minutes flat. Just like me, he loved the work that was done by NGO Earthchild, and for the last eight years, he helped me to fundraise more than 300000 for Earthchild. That meant that about 1,000 underprivileged children got a year of yoga and life skill classes. After that, I became a regular guest on his show, and many of our current and past members found us via Eusebius. He loved the work we did at Tribe Sober and often promoted us on his social media. He came to two of our workshops in Joburg, the first one as a participant and the second one as my co-facilitator. We looked out for each other. He coached me to be a better speaker on the radio and I convinced him to start his own podcast when he left Cape Talk. Have a listen to this episode we recorded about 18 months ago.
1: I've missed you too, but I do keep track of the work that you do. And it's work that continues to be very important. And I'm amazed just anecdotally at how big the Sober Curious movement in South Africa has really become. When we first introduced that kind of framing to my listeners and to the public, it felt like we were introducing neologisms. Now that kind of language is everywhere And the options that are available for those who want to socialize and still taste the taste of alcohol but not actually consume alcohol have expanded way beyond the three or four that you and I would have trotted out on a sample table in a workshop four years ago.
0: Absolutely. I mean the signs are there. I've you know, we used to talk about the green shoots of recovery. <laughs> I was thinking the other day, it's the green shoots of sobriety. And, and it, it comes to me in, in three kind of different ways. The alcohol-free drinks market has absolutely exploded. And that's particularly promising because obviously that's profit-driven. And it's profit that has driven the the way that the liquor industry has uh, marketed the product, particularly to women for the last 25 years, Mm -hmm. they've been really targeting us particularly on the wine and now you know those guys that have got endless funds to do the research they've identified that people are wanting more healthy choices you know even if you're not wanting to give up completely just to maybe have every other beer as an alcohol-free beer if you're out for a few beers so that's very promising and the other thing that is promising is in the old days, I mean, seven years ago, here I was in South Africa, desperate to, to get help for my drinking, which was becoming ridiculous. And the only place I could find to go here in South Africa was um, AA, which which didn't really work for me. But the, the nice thing these days is there's so many online communities like Tribe Sober, you know, all over the world. So you know, whatever demographic you're you're in, you can go on the Internet, you can search sobriety groups and you'll find a community that suits you. And the third thing that you might not know about Eusebius, it's relatively new, but us sober communities, we, we've got our own magazine now <laughs> and it's called Ola Soba, you know, Ola being Spanish for hello, of course, and it's run by an Irish lady who lives in Madrid. That's uh, where the Spanish side of it comes from. And she produces this beautiful magazine and it's a hundred pages. It's one of these flipping books, you know, you, you mm. have it on your desktop and it's beautifully presented. And, her her mission in life is to rebrand sobriety mm. and she's going to make sobriety as glamorous and fun as we all used to think drinking was mm. and she's a special lady you know she's she's highly intelligent highly passionate and has got uh, a lot of funds to throw at this project so that's pretty exciting
1: that we've got our own magazine you and i have different philosophical takes on aspects of sober curiosity and maybe it's nice if we give our different perspectives because we'll probably there thereby also catch listeners of this podcast that that have got different needs some will identify with my philosophical attitude some will identify with yours i I mean, you and I are both liberal, but I am particularly enamored by the idea that it's okay for people to make bad choices. And so although, for me, the data cannot be disputed, alcohol is a drug, and it's a bad drug in the sense that it's physiological, quite apart from its sociological and psychological consequences are objectively bad for you. Um, but I kind of like living in a society in which people make mistakes and they look back in their 40s or 50s and go, oh, my God, I tossed my name as an undergraduate drunk at the Rat and Parrot in Grahamstown. Do I wish to, to run a counterfactual universe in which I was not a drunk road student? And the answer for me is no. Where you and I converge beautifully, and th- this is a gift I got from working with you on my seven o two platform, is that we can finish finish each other's sentences about the upsides of sobriety, and I guess what I'm trying to say, if I can encapsulate that, is that for me, the aim is not to be anti-alcohol, anti-drinking, anti-partying, but it really is to expand people's knowledge bases about the decisions that they are making so that they can make better decisions or at least be more cognizant of what the alternatives are to getting drunk every weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, a CBS education is absolutely crucial because just as uh, I mean, I'm so old. In my 20s, I used to smoke in the office. I used to work at the BBC. <laughs> we had a big office in a basement, no ventilation. We all used to sit there smoking our heads off. And then one day during that that particular part of my life, um, advertising Cigarettes was was more or less banned. And then suddenly in the media, you would see all these articles. Cigarettes cause lung cancer. Mm. And those articles never used to be in the public domain. So we were all reading and going, oh, my God, cigarettes (laughs) cause lung cancer. It was a big shock. So many of us stopped smoking. Mm. And but what I'd like to see more of is, you know, more articles about the fact that alcohol does uh, is linked to seven different types of cancer. And many, many women, uh, uh, when I, when I um, contracted breast cancer in 2006, I was drinking heavily and I had no idea that there was any link between my heavy drinking and um, my cancer. And in fact, when uh, I went to see my oncologist, you know, I got through it, thankfully. And after a year of treatment, I went to him and I said, you know, do I need to um, give up drinking or or have a particular diet? Because I I don't want this thing coming back. I don't want to go through all that again. And he said, no, no, you know, you must um, enjoy your life now. You've got through this, so you must eat and drink and be merry. And I said, what? so alcohol's fine. He said, absolutely nothing wrong with a bit of wine, my dear. But, you know, because I had this dependence, I I, I read that as carte blanche to, to drink for, for another few years. So, you know, I was uneducated back then. And I think if I'd known more, then I would have been a lot more cautious, you know, as I got older.
1: Out of interest, do you regret your heavy drinking?
0: Absolutely not. I always say that drinking is is great fun until it's not. And the trick is to catch it when it starts yeah. being a problem. And for me, you know, it was really a problem in my 40s, but I didn't address it until I got into my 60s because I didn't know how to. Mm. I was no, I That's
1: right. I mean, it is about the education element. Absolutely. I'm not on a mission to get people to not drink. I am on a mission to get people to give themselves permission to be sober and to not succumb to peer pressure. That, for me, is the mission. And I want to speak into that, and that's where I want us to help the public. There may be people who've never thought about the possibility of having fun while sober. You and I, and in one or two of the workshops I've attended with you, we, we explicitly go there as creatives in particular we have this false construction in the media that being drunk, having drunk for greet, being tipsy, having a buzz that is induced by alcohol, are necessary ways of living the good life, being able to write a sentence that's memorable, uh, for example. And that's just complete bullshit. And yeah. one of the most liberating things about my own sobriety now, which is about three years or so, is that um, I've written some of my best columns and essays over the last year or so um, in full sobriety. And although some of my earlier writing, I, I was you know did when I was feeling down after a night of heavy drinking and feeling melancholy. I mean, you know, there's some of my essays for my for my first book, for example that I wrote in the early hours of the morning while half drunk. And I quite like some of those essays, but there's a one spectacular lie that I want to share with the public and I want you to share your version of it. And that lie is the only way to write a good phrase is at two o'clock in the morning when you are busy drinking.
0: You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober yeah well i think you know again that's part of the manipulation and the the brainwashing that we've all been subjected to you know for for so many years and thinking about you know writers like yourself and artists um the people i mean think about someone like like hemingway you know completely glorified because he was um a heavy drinker but um, I watched uh, a documentary about him recently and once he would got to his late 50s, he was, you know, such a drunkard that he couldn't string a sentence together. But, you know, we all... We all presumably want to be Hemingway because he he wrote so beautifully, but uh, <laughs> mm. the, the truth is, is quite different. And I think, you know, society just glorifies alcohol to such a degree. And it also says that, you know, we're either a, r- a raving alcoholic or we're a normal drinker. There's still not enough emphasis on the fact that millions of us lie somewhere in between. Mm. And many of us are creeping up to the, uh, the raving alcoholic and of the, of the
1: let's, scale let's bust some more myths when you wrote your classic and i still have people stopping me referencing that woman with a beautiful voice and beautiful surname um when she read that letter moment on radio when you read your goodbye to letter you talked about the fun things you did with alcohol as one of your best friends And again, the manipulation of the marketing suggests that you cannot have fun unless your BFF alcohol is present. But when I watch you now on social media with your cute, cute little dog, uh, your husband that loves you dearly and who usefully gave you an ultimatum, it's not like you've locked yourself up in the attic. Talk to us about how wonderful liberating it has been to discover the lie that you need alcohol in order to have a fun social life.
0: Yeah, well, I have to confess that uh, it wasn't easy. You know, it took me a good six months. I had this limiting belief that, you know, many, many people have that I can't have fun without alcohol, Mm -hmm. But when I gave up, you know, I was quite kind of old already. And I remember thinking, well, (laughs) I've had a pretty crazy life, so I'll just have to stay home and read books now. And life's going to be terribly boring, but whatever. I've got to do it to save my life because I was making myself so ill. So my expectations of sobriety were pretty low. But gradually, you know, I I was determined not to be a total recluse. So um, I went out and I forced myself to go out. But every time I went out, I saw it as a challenge. You know, I thought, well, I probably won't enjoy this evening, but I've got to go. I've got to get through it. And I did that for months and I even journaled it. You know, I would write every time I came. Sometimes I would just run off after half an hour because I felt so kind of raw and uncomfortable. Mm. And gradually, you know, it changed. And I got uh, so I remember coming home in a cab after about six months of doing this torture and I thought, oh, such an interesting evening, you know, and I've met this one. I'm having coffee with that person. and I'm going to read this book. And I realized that I'd had a, a great evening and I hadn't been near an alcoholic drink. And that was a bit of a turning point. I mean, it still took more work, but I would say, you know, it took me a year to overturn that that very deep limiting belief in my subconscious that um, I could not have alcohol. Uh, fun without alcohol and now you know I do have fun and I used to I used to feel really embarrassed about being sober and very apologetic and I used to live in dread that somebody would say what are you drinking you know why aren't you drinking because I just couldn't cope with all that but now you know I really relish it when someone starts attacking me. (laughs) I
1: want to I mean all of this is trite for you and I'm getting my knowledge base from you but I want to explain to the public Why Janet felt embarrassed. The reason Janet felt embarrassed about choosing sobriety is because our default social meme is that it's unacceptable to not drink and that you have to explain why you're not drinking. And if you think about how crazy that is and you don't get that it's crazy, think about this analogy. Have you ever been asked at a dinner table or at a club or pub... Why you don't schnaf coke? And of course the answer is no, because there's no default social expectation that schnaffing coke is the routine thing to do. And therefore you don't need to feel embarrassed to be someone who doesn't take coke. But when it comes to alcohol, it is so ubiquitous. I now see the the ubiquitous nature of it everywhere through my sober eyes including unfunny jokes about it. I mean, one of my a close friend of mine, long-time friend, a typical Facebook-type update, um, had a long, 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 long up, update that ended with the unfunny punchline, uh, and it was all set up to be sort of like, there's false rumors being spread about me, I'm really, really tired of this, please don't believe it. And you think, oh, my God, I wonder what they're saying about so-and-so. And then the punchline is supposed to be, it is not true that I quit alcohol. <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's, <laughs> and I would ordinarily have found it funny. Five years ago, I might have found that funny. I don't judge him for that. Obviously not. I'm, I'm all for choice, as I said at the outset. But that kind of status update on, 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 on Facebook, Janet, is premised on how socially obligatory it is to be a drinker of alcohol.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's very strong. And uh, and a lot of us that drink, we we drink because we're introverts and, you know, we have social anxiety. And the last thing that we want is lots of attention, you know, especially when we're newly sober, because you feel very kind of raw and exposed. And and it's really difficult for newly sober people because it's as you say, it's it's crazy. It's the only drug we have to justify not taking. Yeah. And people say, oh, you're not drinking. So have, are you an alcoholic then? Yeah. <laughs> and even if we are, we, we don't feel up to, you know, talking about yeah. that at that point in our sobriety. So, you know, I really feel for people w- with that issue. And that's why, you know, I-, I love our challenges that we do, our Sober Spring, our Dry January. Well, I want to
1: get to because that, you- yeah, because that's, I want to, you know, we, we, the real deal is to join Tribe Sober. If your curiosity is sparked, if your interests are piqued, We're just scratching the surface. And I just had a moment, the lull between Christmas and New Year, when I thought, let me call up my friend Janet and see whether she has 30 minutes of us. Because there's a lot more to be learned and a lot more to be said. If you join the WhatsApp groups, the online groups, you'll you'll learn a hell of a lot more. So the long version of this conversation that's worth it is to go to tribesober.com. But in the meantime, there's a wonderful January initiative that so many people have benefited from over the years. And honestly, it is one of my most unintended but joyous achievements on radio, getting so much feedback still to this day, Janet, of people that have enjoyed it. And even if it's not a permanent change in your life, I mean, my dad went through it and he completely loved the Dry January Challenge. And I'm gonna let you explain it. It's got a social justice community impact angle to it quite apart from an opportunity for for personal growth?
0: Yeah, well, we, we always say to people, you know, we're not saying give up alcohol, alcohol is bad, don't drink. What we're saying is just try to consider what your life might look like without it. Be a bit sober curious, just have a month off, take a break for a month because alcohol is so toxic that just having one month off it will have significant health benefits. About eight years ago, I met these amazing people that have uh, an NGO called Earth Child. It was a, a, it's a lady called Jana Kretzmar. She set up Earth Child about 15 years ago now. It's a it's a beautiful NGO and I went to visit it and I, I got quite involved with them. What they do is they, they develop young leaders in their community. Uh, they work in seven schools in Kalicha and Lavender Hill, and they're helping uh, about three and a half thousand people all the time, children all the time. And they're running yoga classes, so they have life skills, they do organic gardening, and they teach these children about health, you know, and how to look after their bodies. It's wonderful work that they they're doing. Uh, I was drinking when I met them. And then I started world Without Wine and I was racking my brains, you know, how could I use my uh, my platform to, to help them and, and to do a bit of fundraising. So Jana and I together, we came up with this idea of let's do a dry January challenge. The idea is that people join our challenge. They give a small donation to directly to Earth Child And in exchange for that, we uh, provide online and community support for 31 alcohol-free days. And people can sign up today or they can sign up anytime up to the 31st of January. So it's just an opportunity to take a month off. And it's also great to test your dependency because I didn't even know that I was dependent on alcohol until I tried to cut down. And then it was a a horrible shock because I couldn't cut down. I had to have my bottle of wine every night. So I say to people, you know, even if you think your drinking's pretty much in control, just take a break. Just make sure that you're not getting dependent. And if you can get through a month without alcohol, not even miss it, not even think about it, then you've got a very healthy relationship with alcohol. Alcohol.
1: How much do you pay?
0: So, well, 250 rand will provide uh, a whole year of yoga and life skills tuition for one child. Okay,
1: so to summarise it, if I sign up and you'll tell me how, once we end this conversation, um, I might make a donation for 250. But you will fill out the story that I'm trying to remember that's making me sad. And I can never remember it because I always try and describe it to people when I tell them to sign up, Janet. The kids from Lavender Hill who've never had silence because there's bullets around them. Yoga to you and me may be a middle-class indulgence. Before I get back to explaining the mechanism and what it means for these kids to have an opportunity, it might not mean much for the average middle-class listener of this platform, but for some of those kids, it's, it's momentous.
0: Yeah, it's it's a moment of peace in their lives. And uh, I don't know if I I told you this story, Eusebius, but I was at one of their classes once and a little boy came to talk to me at the end. And he said, oh, he said, I love my yoga. It's the only time that I can close my eyes without feeling afraid. Mm, That's
1: the the boy.
0: Mm. Yeah, I know. I've never forgotten him. Mm.
1: Sure, so I can sponsor a boy like that for 250. I get 30 days of daily messaging to help me get through the day. That is, for me, the key part here. Take the social impact bit out of it. Let's be selfish for one second. We'll come back to selflessness in a a minute. What my dad loved about it is the daily messages were really, really good philosophical insight, a tip, a factoid And it just helps you to keep going for another 24 hours in this personal challenge. Best case scenario, you stop drinking permanently and your life is still fun and healthier. Worst case scenario, you make a conscious decision that you want to drink, but you do so more fully cognizant of the true facts about alcohol. And then there's a range of options in between. You might learn to cut back Or you might enjoy less foggy brain after four weeks before you return to drinking and doing so in better terms and that's a 30-day journey it's not much of a commitment and the 250 rand is momentous in the life of an underprivileged kid you're listening to a podcast from tribe sober If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the
0: membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. Yeah, and another advantage is a lot of people are aware that they need to drink a little less. And for anybody that doesn't know, the low risk limits are a bottle and a half of wine a week or six beers a week. So if you're drinking a lot more than that, you you really should try to cut down. So if you do dry January, you've got a much better chance after a period of complete abstinence of drinking of those levels but to go from what I used to drink, which was a, at least a bottle of wine a night, to then only having that during a whole week, it's it's very difficult. But if you take uh, take a month off completely, and it, it's easier to monitor your units and, and keep to how a do safe you, level. How
1: can people sign up if they wanted to sign up? And I really hope they do. I'll sign up again, even though I... You know, I've been converted by you. <laughs> oh, but thank I, I, I'm going to sign up and I'll pay 500 rand, and that's for the social impact. Maybe. How about I'll, I'll do this? Be honest, okay? Just be honest. The economy is really tough. I'll I'll sponsor two people that would like to have a crack. No pun intended. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we don't want them going on crap,
1: do we? So that's 500 Rand. And then you message me, the first two that, that do so... I'll I'll put you in touch with Janet, but I'll I'll pay five hundred grand, and then you can have a crack at um, at thirty days of sobriety. Let's let, let's rather do that, because I think it'll be more beneficial for them. I mm, I follow Janet's work very closely, so yeah. I'm, I'm very familiar with it. So that that's what we'll do. Everyone else would like to donate and and also be part of the thirty day journey. Where do they go?
0: tribesober.com and then they, they can hit january 2022 january challenge and there's a, a picture as well on on the home page that they can just click through
1: okay let's end with random three either three tips for how to cope in the over over this weekend when you don't want to drink alternatively or you can be a mixture of both Benefits that come with sobriety that you didn't expect. I'll go first. I'll just give the first three that come to mind. The single greatest benefit that Janet knows that I enjoy sharing with the public because I didn't expect it you gain time. You're going to weird out everyone in your house because you're going to be waking up seven o'clock, eight o'clock on Saturdays and Sundays. Not because you've suddenly discovered a love of gardening but because your body is well-rested, you didn't pass out, and if you didn't pass out, there's no need to wake up sluggish at at 11 o'clock. It's obvious in hindsight, but (laughs) when I experienced it, I suddenly realized, oh my God, there's no reason to still be in bed. And so I sometimes find myself at the barbershop at eight o'clock or nine o'clock on a Saturday, not because I'm doing better at life than you, but because there's really no reason to be asleep if you didn't pass out on Friday night. Second tip, tell people to fuck off if they want you to justify why you're not drinking. There's absolutely no reason for you to justify as an adult why you're not drinking alcohol. That's complete nonsense. You can, if you don't swear as much as my friend Karima did, then you can try sarcasm. It's underrated. It's underrated ask them whether they're still schnaffing cocaine and see how that answer lands and hopefully they you know not so thick that they can't draw the logical inference from that and then last sort of tip um, there are many good alternatives to alcohol if you enjoy the taste you will find on on tried sober many beverages that are that are worth trying i can't keep up with everything on the market there are some brilliant gin and tonic there are some brilliant beer um i mean there are some ciders that you can have all the popular south african ones like savannah for example come in zero ones and um, the drinkers won't even know that you are quote-unquote cheating janet some tips
0: yeah, uh, just building on that last one, UCBS. Uh, people that sign up for our challenge, they'll get a discount from Drinknil koza I don't know if you've uh, dis- discovered them yet, but mm. they have all of the alcohol-free drinks um, that you can imagine—at uh, least a hundred choices—and they'll deliver them to your door anywhere in South Africa. Oh wow! So it, so it, you know, that's a great thing to do at the beginning of the challenge. Put in an order get them get your fridge full of them and then you'll you'll be sorted for the month. So yeah, a tip um it's very hard to change your relationship with alcohol alone. I tried for 10 years and got nowhere. But the minute I'd found other people on the same path, then I could uh, I could do it. So whether you've got a buddy or a community like ours, just get some somebody else to to do this with you. Mm. A couple of benefits maybe um Sleep, you know, your sleep will improve. I think we get uh, only about two or three cycles of REM sleep if we drink. We, We need about seven, so you will sleep better hydration did you know that every glass of wine that you drink you lose the equivalent to four glasses of water from your system Mm. so that's why when you stop drinking even after just you know a week or two your skin looks so much better and it Mm. kind of plump gets plump Mm. and again it looks looks more healthy and your anxiety will reduce Mm your immune system will strengthen and obviously, you know, COVID is still around. So the stronger our immune system is, the the better we'll be. So uh, I could go on, but I'd better (laughs) shut up now.
1: (laughs) Have a beautiful weekend coming up. I look forward to you and I chatting some more in the new year. And um, I also want us to check in on how the journey is going with listeners of your podcast and mine during January, so maybe mid-January, we can check in, maybe even do a live event so we're not only talking into the ether. Uh, So in the meantime, if you are going to sign up, please do sign up. It's for a good cause and you can challenge yourself and it's healthy. And um, keep keep a journal of how you're getting on. And um, maybe on Instagram, you, me and Janet can have a conversation about three to four weeks from now.
0: I still can't believe we'll never get to hear his voice on TV or the radio again. I'll put the link to the other Tribe Sober podcasts he did in the show notes. And if you want to take a 30-day break from alcohol, like the January challenge we were discussing, then just email membership at com and we'll get you started. Let me finish by reading out a wonderful tribute to Eusebius by Tribe member Sarah. The loss of Eusebius is the loss of such an important voice. I'm just desolate about this news. I loved his podcasts and his interviews, his beautiful turn of phrase and constant admonishments to us to not be lazy thinkers, to engage and to reflect critically. I felt smarter just by listening to the guy and more connected. I'll really miss his Socratic approach, provocative when necessary, his radical honesty and general humanity and spirit of inclusivity. So, so sad for his family, colleagues and partner especially, and a great loss to society as a whole. Oh, thank you, Sarah. That was beautifully put. So before I go, just a reminder about our boot camp, which starts on Monday, five days of tasks, training, podcasts and connection. Get more info on tribesober.com or just go to Sobriety Bootcamp Facebook group and ask to join. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back next week.